0: Welcome to Cigar City Radio, episode number twenty-two. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen, Mr. Jason Solanez. You know,
1: Randy, every once in a while, I like to take.
0: God, just just stop, just 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 stop, just please
2: stop.
1: If you don't know, now you know, Cuban. What?
0: And also, Michelle.
2: I. I have nothing to say to that. (laughs) Never
0: have. You just when you hang out with us, there's a lot of uh, what can uh, I say? I leave the ladies speechless. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. If you love Cigar City Radio, and we really hope that you do, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. We encourage you to leave a review in the iTunes store and share the show with your friends. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Cigar City Radio, and you can email us at CigarCityRadio at gmail.com.
2: This episode of Cigar City Radio was recorded at The Blind Tiger in Ebor City. The Blind Tiger is a 1920s speakeasy-style coffee shop serving coffee, tea, vegan pastries, and more. With locations in Ebor City and Seminole Heights, you can check them out at BlindTigerCafe.com.
0: Next week is our first ever Noche Buena party taking place during South by Southwest with 15 bands. 15 bands, Jason. Mm, you, can't, you can't even name them all. I know you can't, so let's move on. Hey, Tina? Tina, you want to name these bands for us?
2: Hockey Dad, Detective How Wasted, Sun Medicine, Jackson Boone, and the Ocean Ghosts, Undercover Dream Lovers, Dirty dishes, warbly jets, field trip, shark muffin, fruit and flowers, mail the horse, plastic pinks, veiny hands.
0: And when's that happening, Jason? That That's happening on March 15th. You gotta be more excited about it than that's that. That's happening on March
1: 15th, that's... Day Gold in Austin, Texas. The doors are at three PM
0: and it ends at two AM. If you're under twenty one, we will kick your asses out. Hey, and Jason, do I have to have like one of those like fifteen hundred dollar badges to get in? Nah bruh. Oh how much does it cost to get in? It's for free. It's free. It's for free. 15, 15 bands
1: for free. Show me your goddamn ID and oh, I'll let you Okay. End. It's free for 21 and up. 21 and up. If yeah, you're under 21. Is. There it is. It's still free to get your ass kicked out. Oh man.
0: That. So it is indeed the night your abuela well has been waiting for. Search Noche Buena Party South by Southwest on Facebook events or RSVP at cigarcitymanagement.com slash SXSW.
2: Our guest on this episode is singer-songwriter Amy Ray, one half of the legendary folk duo Indigo Girls and the founder of Damon Records. A total badass, Amy is a world-renowned artist who has countless albums in varying genres ranging in country, punk, and folk. She's collaborated with Justin Vernon, aka Bon Iver, and considers him a good friend. We had a blast talking with her, and we wish we could have hung out longer, and we also hope that she returns to Cigar City Radio sometime soon.
0: So here it is, episode 22. I'm assuming you played here quite a few times with Indigos. With you've never played solo here. No.
3: Wow. No. What's not at f- this place. Maybe somewhere else in, in the past. In the area, but because yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. I can't believe it took Tampa so long to get you. I think I might have played <laughs>
3: here with my punk band a couple of times, but this is my country band, so it oh, might okay. be different. Right on. Yeah. I I actually
0: didn't know you had a punk band. I feel I feel the awful for first, not knowing that.
3: Maybe. I started making records in two thousand one, like solo records, and the first four were more like punk and yeah. rock. Yeah, like I know, like Stag was pretty. Yeah, so was that pretty was, punk, so the I would you know? play with the Butchie's, and that was like the punk thing. Yeah, the Butchie's are super cool. Yeah, <laughs> so we did that for years, and then I went to country right in the, like few years ago. Yeah, that's kinda that's it's, awesome because it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, in a way, yeah, <laughs> it is real country and, real, and real
0: punk. Yeah. yeah, are the same thing. Yeah, that's amazing, and that's what I always loved about. Uh, indigo girls you know it's like emily i think brought that like sort of sweetness to to the mix you know yeah but all your stuff was i felt like all your stuff in particular was harder edged more badass
3: you yeah know? we sort of have like a complimentary thing i guess in some way yeah although she's when she's on the electric guitar she's pretty badass. oh no, no she's
0: definitely <laughs> badass too yeah You're two very badass women that's for sure <laughs> So there's actually that Spotify playlist that I don't know if you I'm sure Michelle you're all about it the the badass, badass women <laughs> is that a Spotify playlist It yeah.
2: is it's incredible wow. and it's never a variety of genres movie. it's it's insane but it, they update it all the time and it's <laughs> really? my go-to playlist really? yeah. yeah Okay all yeah. right
0: But see like I feel like most of those bands would probably wouldn't even be on that playlist if it wasn't for Indigo Girls Really? Know? like yeah like yeah, I feel like you've inspired so many like amazing like a generation of amazing artists now.
3: Oh, well, that's you know. sweet to <laughs> <could> say that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think that? Like, I mean, it's all mutual, <laughs> collaborative. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, it's synchronicity uh, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, art
0: evolves over time. Yeah, and stuff yeah, too, yeah. But I know you definitely, like, I don't want to use the term, like, kind of broke down barriers, but, you know. It's you had like, a hand in it. Yeah, she you definitely did it. something for badass women in rock and roll. You Good. Know, so. Thank you for that. They did a, <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm sure there's a lot of people that did a lot for us too. So yeah. just think about that, you know?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, your first record was, what, 1981, 1982? Our
3: first, we got to, we started playing in 80, but we didn't start making records until 85. We, oh, were, okay. we were like in high school in 1980 and like 16 years old. We and, were just playing. And you met in high school. Elementary school. Elementary school, wow. We've known each other since we were 10. That's crazy. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, and we're old now, so it's a long time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's super cool. And then you stayed in touch, obviously, through through high school and college. And
3: yeah, you know, well, we played um, in high school, and we played in college. And even though we would we went off to separate schools for a little while, we played on the weekends. We both had our own gigs, too, mm-hmm. and then in the summer we played. And we both ended up at Emory University in Atlanta and finished out there and played a lot. And that's when we really started, like, making records and playing and touring, kind of at the right at the end of college. Yeah. And then just went from there to doing it, just doing it. And then we got signed to a major label in 88. Yeah. And then kind of went from there.
0: And then, then it just explodes from there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, we were in a van for a long time, but, like, we were – it was – yeah, we got lucky. We hit, like, this portal – of crazy, like college radio was ascendant, yeah. and REM was helping us out, and everything kind of just happened like right at the right time, yeah, you know
0: well, that's I mean a big part of making it music is yeah just luck. happening at, happening at the right time, yep, being in the right room, yep, you know? it's
3: like outliers, it's like sweat and luck, Wow. But I I have to think that
0: somebody would have eventually heard you and said, "All right." (laughs) Maybe I mean we were not that.
3: I mean, when we started, we were we were young. I mean, we were young. What was
0: the scene like back then in like the that the Atlanta like Emory area? It it
3: was sort of a mixture of like um, folk music and like like and like left of the dial alternative rock, and some and punk was sort of it was at the tail end of like what was considered like real punk. punk. Yeah, yeah, Um, and then. There was, you know, like a an R&B scene and a jazz scene that were s- separate to some degree. Although there were, ja- there was a jazz scene in the area that we played in a lot. There was also kind of a jazz scene going on at the same time. That's cool. So, so but it was it's, it's very collected. DIY and like everybody made cassettes and sold them at shows and yeah. shared. We all shared gigs. Like if you knew someone playing and you wanted to like that club to sort of notice you, you would go play during their break, like driving and crying, let us come to Athens and play like during their break or something or yeah. open for them once to get us like in the door. So that that's what bands did for each other back then is they shared gigs or, or you would go play during someone's break if they were playing like a hotel lounge, you know, yeah, and you yeah. wanted a gig there, <laughs> you know, whatever, like <laughs> whatever cool. it took. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I love that because there's still definitely a lot of that DIY spirit in, in music now. I feel like yeah. that's, that's kind of the, one of the few ways to really do it these days, so yeah. it's cool to know that things have haven't really changed that much. It's I like full—it's
3: like a little bit of full circle in a way, because yeah. I think that that time period was special, and and there was a real sort of philosophy of, of DIY and punk, kind of that punk philosophy left over, and then and then you know, college radio sort of became less independent and independent stores became less and everything became less independent. Like around 96 when the telecommunications act was signed, everything sort of started shifting and we sort of had the best of that world. And then we had the best of really, we had a pretty good major label experience too.
0: Mm I guess comparatively some people have terrible major. I mean, we sort of just
3: did what we did and, um, and it, it was what it was for a while and then it was kind of, it ran its course and we could tell they weren't really into us anymore. So we hopped off.
0: And you started your own label after that. Yeah, right?
3: yeah, and and so it's and and I think that's kind of it's like this thing now where that's certain kinds of music that's really the that's really the way to do sometimes it. it's the way to do it. Although yeah. there's great, there's still some great indie labels. I mean, Merge is sure, is yeah. a fantastic label, Barsouk and yeah. and, mm-hmm. and um, sub pop and yeah, just, is great. Like, yeah, yeah, there's so many great indies still. So it's not like able labels are obsolete. Yeah. But
0: I feel like they've just had to be more nimble and, and kind of specialize in a, in yeah. a certain focus or a certain genre yeah. or something, yeah. you know. But and and
3: usually we have to work with bands that are really willing to like be motivated.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the biggest thing is like we manage bands and we. Always, oh, you know, so yeah, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we we look for bands that are like ready to hit the road and really like. I mean, it's a grind, you know. And sometimes you're playing for very little money in front of a you know half empty house, but. That's what you got to do when you're getting started with music. You know? It really like, is. Playing. And it's
3: what you... I mean, I'm, I'm doing that now. And, yeah. You know, like with my solo stuff. Well, I hope you're a, not playing to
0: half-empty houses. But, you know, like I'll play I in Gainesville
3: and there'll be 75 people there. And then yeah. I'll go play and... But I'll play in, you know, New York and there's 500. It just True. depends on... You it's know how it is. It. It's, it's just scene. Whatever yeah. the city is, Yeah, it changes. But it's like you have to be willing to play to the small crowds too because, you know, you could... That's the thing about social media now too, is that you can play to fifteen people, mm-hmm. but if you film it or stream it or do something creative with it, it reaches more people. Yeah, that's so true. You make. You make the most of whatever you're doing, and then also the word spreads if the, people have a good show. Yeah, and you got to do it because you love it. So, oh, that's the other part. Of it. Yeah. yeah, you got you have
0: to love it. That's key because yeah. if you don't love music, you're in the wrong business you know? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, but that but that is really cool, and it it does make sense too. Like in today's day and age, it's like everything's so digital and things are so we're so connected, but also so disconnected that like actually being at a show and getting that real experience with a crowd is. Uh, is like what people people almost crave that sort of intimacy with artists these days it's you know
3: yeah i don't think that's i mean i think people thought for a while maybe we can just make videos for youtube and you know like i think everybody always at some point gets demoralized when they're starting by the reality of the road and it's hard and so it's like maybe we can bypass this and make videos or this or that but it's like truly like you have to it's kind of like you got to pay your dues no matter what I mean, everybody does. Even Justin Bieber paid his dues. Probably, sure, you know? yeah. in a way, yeah. <laughs> I mean, whether you like him or not. You yeah, know what I'm saying. you yeah, paid yeah. him in some way.
1: So, uh, surviving the rigors on the road, especially with people that uh, you've been so close with for so long, uh, is there uh, any kind of advice that you can give people that are currently on the road that would keep them glued together instead of imploding like so many bands Yeah, do?
3: it's. I mean, it's hard. It's hard when you're a... F- like, Emily and I it was easier because we were just two people at first when we were young so we could ride around in a small car and share a room and one of us could sleep in the bathroom if we were sick of each other <laughs> yeah. which is what we did a lot of times but i don't know i'm i'm with a ba- we're six people right now like with my solo stuff in a van and one thing that, that's helpful is that we rotate like who gets their own room kind of thing or or we um try to just I don't know. You just have to take space, yeah. you know. Help each but,
1: other out with personal liberties. And, you
3: know. Yeah, and I and I also think like just always remember to respect each other, and it's a team, and kind of help where you can, and don't just load your own gear. Like mm. help load someone else's gear too. Like if you're yeah. playing a trumpet, it's and don't just take it out of the case and you're done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah help, help the drummer. drummer out, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> always help the drummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it is hard with a lot of people and when you're young because it's it's kind of – there's not a lot of space. It's true. I talk to a lot of young bands that talk about that. So I don't really – bands that I know that are like the shadow boxers, like the bands that we're friends with that are really great. And it's like six, five or six of them depending on who's with them. And they do things like stop at a park and go for the day, you know, hang out in their own space for the day or whatever, you or know, be friends,
1: just be friends. Well, they're actually friends the too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that yeah. helps. But even I mean, friends yeah. get sick of each yeah, other. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. if you're on the road that much and smashed together, I'd imagine. Yeah. The tension and, yeah. and heated arguments. I mean,
3: Emily and I had a really good cur- curve that was kind of a lucky thing where we, we didn't mind being smushed together and like, and we also just would bring our friends with us too. So that we have an audience basically. It's like take five people with you in case no one shows up, kind of thing. <laughs> and it was a it was a party all the time. Like it was fun. It was like that was we just. It's like it's supposed to be fun. This is not yeah. supposed to be a grind, but it does get to be a grind later, and or when you're trying to drive ten hours and get to your gig in time or whatever. So there's just enjoy the moments when it's not and when it is a grind, have, have a work ethic about it and be proud of yourself. for the Because the process is just as important as the gig, mm. really. It's, you know, to me anyway, but yeah. what do I know? But If you have a
1: bad time getting to the gig, you're probably going to have a bad time at the gig. That's probably true, <laughs> yeah. actually. That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> Note to self, I mean,
3: I can be a control freak and, you know, order, like, just kind of get upset with the band if they're not there in time or this or that. And I just try to tell myself, like, it's not... It's pointless. Yeah. Like you, you, know, you love these people. You're traveling with them. You're making music with them. Yeah. yeah. It's a conversation, you know. and it yes. it's not just on stage. It's also happening off stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. But so. with them, but I I have to say, like, if you're with the same person playing for a really really long time, like me and Emily, you know, have known each other for 40 years now, and it's just like a, it's a marriage, you know, and you just have to like, it's you have to just constantly let the other person have their own space and constantly and respect each other and have communication. I mean, I got lucky, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I got lucky. So that's, (laughs) that's that's the theme. Sorry. It all all comes down to luck. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) But Yeah, but that's great.
0: So I'm I'm just amazed too at your longevity. Like it's so hard to keep making music for, for as long as you've been making music and, like, a prolific amount of albums, you know, and every one just keeps getting, like, it keeps changing and evolving.
3: Like you said, now you're kind of moving into country, you know. Are or you, are, are you country? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> or- I'm country, but, like, we made a really traditional country record. My solo band, I mean, em- Emily and I made a record a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that was an Indigo Girl record, but it was very layered and ambient and kind of yeah. probably influenced by our devotion to Justin Vernon but um yeah but we but then I you know I went into this country thing for myself just because I like traditional country music and I met the right players but now I'm sort of like writing southern rock punky country songs so yeah. it's, whatever it's like it's all songwriting I mean yeah, I had absolutely. an I had indie label for and I still have it for a long time and my only thing was like I put out about 60 records and I was like you know I don't care what kind of like I love all kinds of music and it's all about songwriting to me. Yeah. No matter what you're doing, I mean hip hop, jazz, anything. It's got to be, it's got to be the lyrics and the the hooks and the melody. Yeah. The pacing. It's whatever kind of music you're playing.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned Justin Vernon, that's Bonnie bon Iver, right? Yeah. I know you you had a couple songs with him on your last record. Yeah, right?
3: he he sang and played on like four. Songs.
0: I, I've actually read that he's like a massive Indigo Girls <laughs> fan. Is that true? It's his mom.
3: It's like his mom's fault. <laughs> really? It's, it's always like there's always a mom or a sister in the equation. It's I interesting love it to hear you I say love it. fault. My, my mom brought me to the first shows. What he told? Her. No, he's he's actually really he likes. He's kind of a he's a cool guy. He like he unabashedly likes music by yeah. women. You know, like that. I, y'all are probably in his same that age group. It's different from our generation, where a lot of guys were afraid to say they liked, you know, whoever us yeah. or whoever Tracy Chapman. I don't know, you know. Sure, so sure, like, you yeah. have these guys who'd be like, "I'm a closet Indigo fan," and when you get to like Justin's generation, I know a lot of guys in that generation. I know a lot of his friends. It's like little tribe that he hangs out with, and they don't. They have no sense of like demographic barriers, which yeah. is so great. And that's why the music's so good. Sure. That those, the that, that, like all those folks that play the Eau Claire Fest and all that, just that, that, that sort of, sort of arena that Justin's in, that music is, it blows my mind how creative it is. Yeah.
2: It's like the vulnerability in their music is tied to the influence of, of women and like female vocalists or female songwriters and, that's not a bad thing. I think people might think vulnerability means weak, but it's just like it's that opening that you get when you actually attach yourself to a more maternal or feminine kind of thing. So acknowledging that these are influences for you, you can then tap into that and create the vulnerable music that we get from Bon Ver or like James Blake or somebody like that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> and I mean, and the generation and younger are not afraid to like, be open to different kinds of music, and you know they're not like, well, we can't like that because it's not in our demographic or something. And that's what the yeah. marketers don't know yet. That, I think that's the thing. <laughs> they yeah. need to, you know, they'll figure it out at some point. But it's the private thing that we know. Yeah. You know. I guess. I guess yeah,
0: I've never really thought about it that way because it, it does seem like. You know, I, I don't I, sometimes I feel like I'm one of those, you know, get off my lawn type guys, Even though I'm not that old, you know, like I see the I see the younger like kids on Snapchat and I'm like, what are you what are you doing? But I, I guess th- I have to hand it to the next generation. At least they're uh, open about things. You know, <laughs> they, they are skateboarding
3: on your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want that. <laughs> but,
0: but it's cool that. Yeah, I, I, I see that a lot of people now are into a wider range of are willing to be into a wider range of.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's it. still a hipster scene, like well, yeah. you know, there's no doubt. Like I, I saw the in Gainesville last night. I saw the crowd turn over between our show and David Bazan, and I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. healthy, healthy word to my <laughs> ego, which was like this whole like hipster crowd moved in and all the <laughs> other ones left, and I was like, all right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not hipster, that's okay, you know. Uh, but it was that's... cute. It was it's like still, so it still exists, but I do think like that but like my niece, she's like uh nineteen I think now. She's and she's like her and her boyfriend, it wouldn't even occur to them to think about gender and sexuality and stuff when the music they're listening to. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean?
0: It, yeah, it's it's I guess it's something that's never really even occurred to me either. Like it's not Good. something I of like we we just started managing a band called fruit and flowers that's a female fronted band from brooklyn they're awesome by the from way. brooklyn yeah yeah very cool very beautiful. um like right. awesome band you should check them out okay but <laughs> I'll, no send you, I'll send you their stuff <laughs> okay um but i i know like we you know we had a bunch of conversations with them about management and working with them and everything and it yeah. wasn't until like i think we had already been managing them a couple months that we first had the conversation about like oh by the way you know you're women playing music you know like yeah, so is yeah, there yeah. you know is there we should probably talk about that like and yeah. i remember Anna from the band saying like how refreshing it was to like not that not even really be yeah. a topic of conversation until it was needed for that is reason, refreshing
1: you know there I should mean, be no pretense about a woman being a woman you're, <laughs> you're fucking yeah. human being is you, that, are, is that a you don't quote? exist as sex <laughs> you know <laughs> So it, yeah. yeah,
0: but it was like, but it's true. Like, I never had thought of it as like, oh yeah, they're a female fronted band. That's like, you know, I mean, it should be an things. asset. Anything
3: yeah. that makes any part of your otherness, no matter what you are, should be considered your asset and not your and not a drawback. I mean, to anybody, yeah. like that's the problem is that it's not. It's not the problem that you identify as a person of color or a gay person playing music or this or that or whatever. It's that it's it's all it's derogatory rather than like. How cool this is! You yeah, know? <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And and any for anything at any point in history that that has an otherness to them, you know. That's very true, and I think with
0: music, I'm I'm always just like, well, you know, they'll hear the music and they'll figure it out. You know, if the if it's relevant, or, you know? or, they'll, or they'll relate won't. to it. Like yeah.
3: when I think about like listening to David Cassidy when I was in fourth grade, and yeah, he was my, you know, I just. Like, I related to him on—it it didn't have to—it doesn't, you know, I could relate to him the way I related to Cher or whatever. It was yeah, not yeah. like, oh, I can't listen to that because it's a man—oh, I have to only listen to women. Yeah. Or, you know, or I have to only listen to guys or something. And I think for a while, radio made us—kind of made us think that way in some way. Don't, yeah. I, maybe you don't agree, but—
2: No, I mean, there is definitely that issue. Yeah, I I don't have that experience because I was sat down in front of MTV, watched whatever was on there. Yeah. So, or my parents just always had music playing. So I didn't differentiate between, oh, this is a female-fronted band or this is um, a woman or this is an all-male band or whatever. So, like, the biggest influence for me growing up in the 90s is grunge and that's a very heavily male, you know, genre. And, but there is so many prominent female artists that come out of that too and so yeah i can pull from that and be like oh those were you know my idols or whatever but i it wasn't because they were a female or it wasn't because it was a guy or whatever but right. i think yeah marketing or the radio or even MTV or something music videos they will do that and they'll steer steer you to maybe decide to like something or it's what you
3: or they'll expose only, or they they're, they're the gatekeepers and so yeah. what you're seeing is 90% male videos and yeah. Or the way that they'll label it this, too
2: and it'll be like uh top ten female rock stars right, or right, something. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you have to like have a label to it to be yeah. like, Oh yeah, that's right. They're women. I wouldn't have never known, you know, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> No, yeah. I, and
3: it's not the band's fault. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like Nirvana wasn't a feminist. No, band. yeah. I mean it's like yeah, it it's just the the gatekeepers. And I think that's the beauty of what happens now is that we're getting rid of those gatekeepers and we're Sort of with you know obviously with podcast and blah 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 and all yeah. the internet stuff you know
0: yeah I think the one thing still or I mean not I shouldn't say the one thing <laughs> because there's many things the but, only one yeah <laughs> but one of the things is like sometimes you see like with festival lineups oh, you yeah. look at the the headliners or the main you know the the big font bands and it's, it still seems to be a predominantly male it is males that are like Coachella is
2: the, the one that's under the most. uh like scrutiny for that because yeah. I what was the last, I think female headliner before Beyonce and even Beyonce was like kind of technically a second tier headliner this year was I think Madonna of wow. like, mm. 20 wow. years ago, 10 maybe, 15 years ago? can
0: anyone consider Beyoncé second tier? I know, well, I, like, <laughs> I know, I know, I like, know. I feel
2: like... Always first <laughs> like, I know, but it was like there was someone before her, though. That's the sure, thing. Sure, so right. it's like... So she wasn't
3: like yeah. the
2: headline. The headline. Yeah, so I mean, and now they have Lady Gaga replacing her. So yeah, you have somebody that's representing one day of that festival who is this extraordinary woman in, in pop music. But yeah, for years, it's just been men or or bands that are all men and maybe one woman or something so that's a festival that 100 percent has abided to like that demographic or that split of um you know sectioning off people by their sexes yeah
3: and and i wonder if they if they had women like bands that had women or whatever or they pay attention to that the people that are curating it if they I don't think it would mean people aren't aren't going to come. No, know? no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So that's what I mean, sudden, like they're yeah. misreading. They have to be in the like smallest print. Yeah, their <laughs> audience or something in some way. Yeah, I think it's because it's not like I mean, there's I mean, there's so
2: many bands they could have. Could be anybody, you know, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah.
3: So it's I don't know. That's still like a. I mean, definitely we came up in a time when it was like this is our radio playlist and we can have we only we can have only like two female acts in this and it's and one of them can be gay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So either Melissa or Etheridge or the Indigo Girls can be played because, or Katie Lang. Yeah, that's like how they distilled it.
2: Yeah. One one on Friday, one on (laughs) Saturday, one on Sunday. Yeah,
0: but you can't put them all together. (laughs) No.
2: No way. (laughs) Um, I had a question, um, simply it is women's history month and I wanted to talk about Lilith fair wow. and your experience Great with that. Tradition. Great transition. <laughs> um, but we were talking about festivals and we're talking about music and stuff. And for that being a, um, women's festival per se, uh, it was in 97, the like top grossing touring festival. And I wanted to, kind of ask you what's your experience being a part of that even the revival going around and being a part of something that's curated to you know i mean lilith was awesome
3: like (laughs) there's nothing you know i can't it was it was an amazing thing it was super fun um it was like a summer camp yeah and you you know all your friends are there and it wasn't it's it's funny because it was women centered but it was probably still more men on stage than women. That was the whole yeah, thing. That we yeah. were, and more men crew. Too. Yeah. But they really focused on trying to get as many women in the bands and the crew as well. That that was an important mission that Sarah had. Um, so it was great. I mean, there was a backlash against it, you know, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, there always is a backlash. Because so <laughs> we can't have nice yeah. things, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but the one thing I'll say that they learned, I think, was was in race kind of issues – Yeah, was that there was not there was kind of not a really strong effort. I think I think there was an effort, but it probably was misplaced to get like you know um, the the hip hop artist or the R and B artist. I mean, Erica Badu played, and like some really great amazing people played, but like it was Michelle and De played. But it's like it was. You always felt like they were slightly in the wrong position. Like you have a hip hop show, but it's during the day. Yeah. It's like make that the headline, because you—that's the dance and the that—it's a spectacle. that it needs—it's it, not going to go off at four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I think like Missy Elliott, for instance, was put on first or something. And I think and then there would be like well the and then the audience was was probably mostly white. But it's but it's like well you have to learn how to advertise in the right areas. You have to make it accessible to the right you know in the right way. Yeah. Ticket wise and travel wise, and so they really learned. That you can't just try to integrate. You really there's so many things that have to be done logistically. It should always it, be organic. It yeah, shouldn't feel yeah. like it's manufactured. So it's that was something that I really noticed too. You know, in the first couple of years, it was really struggling for that. And I remember Michelle saying to me, "We, we were both had these dressing rooms that were like way in the back of the building." She said, "Well, yeah, of course I'm back here with the lesbians, you know, the <laughs> people of color in the lesbian hall." <laughs> Maybe me, I mean Sarah McLaughlin's a good friend, so yeah, like, but. It really made me laugh because I was like, wow, you're totally right. Because at <laughs> first everybody was kind of scared of us. Yeah. Like we would go knock on doors, let's jam, let's jam. And everybody was like, you know. Yeah. Right. By the end of it, like by the by a few years had gone by, everyone was playing together. Everyone was jamming. No one was worried about whether the gay people were going to stand next to the straight people. Yeah. Like, there seriously was a, there was a thing about that at first.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was
3: 90, It was it was it was not
2: even being was, late nineties where it's yeah. semi progressive. It's still uh, still a thing. Yeah, it's yeah. still. A, I mean, Riot Girl was hap- was on this other space. You know, yeah, like that that
3: evolution of like really the the true feminism was not. It was a different thing. Yeah, but this thing was important. The Lilith was very important. It's highly influential. It very I mean, influential.
2: So, yeah, that's awesome. I, I wanted to ask about that because I think it's. It's one important. of the best
3: times I've ever had in my life, honestly. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I can't even tell you how fun it was. That's- yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, I wish we could ask more. I know. I'm that, sorry, I'm long winded. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. Like I've been in good. the van for five hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've we've just been, you know, we're just scratching the surface. So I'd love to have you on again. If anytime. you ever anytime, anytime you come back through, I feel like we can definitely have a much longer conversation about all this and and your career is just astounding. So there's so much more to so much oh, more thank to thank. Y'all are sweet. I just <laughs> like I
3: don't. I'm just in the moment. Whatever. It's not astounding today. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's fun, so it doesn't really matter. Well,
0: that's the key. as, as long as it's fun.